kinds of connections from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. Uh, We're a weekly talk show that uh, likes to put ideas out there for you to ponder and ideas for you to disagree with and things that are definitely worth considering. I'm uh, Gord Riddell, I'm your host, and I am here with our very own Doctor of Naturopathy, um, Alexia Georgiousis. We are live and if you would like to give us a call, um, we have uh, toll-free lines set up at one 346 9141. That's 888-346-9141. Now, this evening, we have a special guest, another naturopathic doctor here with us. Oh, I'm in good shape here. I got two of them, <laughs> one on each side. Uh, is uh, Dr. Mason Bresset. Uh, he's a doctor of naturopathic medicine and very passionate about medicinal plants and especially mushrooms of all types. Um, he loves gardening, uh, being in natural surroundings, and reading anything that he can get his hands on that relates to ethnobotany. Uh, um, professionally speaking, his other focuses are herbal medicine and medicinal mushrooms. Uh, Mason is the medical advisor for the Real Mushrooms, a Canadian company, yay Canada, um, supplying top uh, of course, top quality medicinal mushroom extracts, as well as he's a medical consultant to St. Francis Herb Farm, a large organic herbal medicine uh, farm and supplier in Canada. Uh, he has a practice located in Sarnia, and especially areas include digestive and diet uh, support, integrated and adjunctive cancer care, nervous system, uh, disorders such as Parkinson's and uh, MS, dementia, and anxieties. Uh, uh, mental health issues, men's issues, and he, in mental health, includes anxiety, depression, and uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, OCD, and addiction, and mushrooms. Uh, there's just so much research in this area uh, right now. So uh, tell us, how, how did you get involved? What, uh, how did you get directed towards ethnobotany? That's really fascinating. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Alexia, for having me. Oh, so, more than welcome. Yeah, I really appreciate being here. So how did I get involved? Well, my studies led me to be fascinated with plants. And I studied naturopathic medicine, as you mentioned in my bio there. And in naturopathic medicine, we, we learn a lot about the human body. We learn a lot about basic science and how that interacts with medicine. And I also, through the program, I and everybody else that goes through learn a lot about different modalities like herbal medicine. So that was sort of my first academic introduction into plants. Um, before that, I would say a couple of years before that, I was just getting into hiking and spending more time outdoors. And I was always curious about the outdoors. And I really found a calling to sort of be outside and, you know, experience all the benefits of being outside that everyone I think can attest to that is listening or goes outside on a nice sunny day and soaks up the, the UV rays. But I just noticed something more when I was outside that I sort of interacting more with the things around me in 
I guess more of a, an attuned way or a, yeah, a more, a way that was more than my logical connection to those things. And I just started to feel into, you know, trees and hugging trees, the classic expression, but just mm-hmm. really got introduced to plants that way while being outside. And that led me to want to learn more about them. And that's why I really appreciated my education in that sense, where we learn about herbal medicine and all the different constituents in plants and how to apply them and learning about them, not just from one lens, but different lenses on different philosophies on how to use them. And inevitably that sort of led me to ethnobotany um, because I was interested in how plants were working, but also how people were using and relating to plants. So Hmm. That's well, they play such, such a huge role in our in, in almost every culture. In fact, in every culture, period. You know. Yeah, food, medicine, shelter. Yeah, and and ethnobotany now is is also a big part of. I I hope it's a big part of how we can also preserve land and forests and and these uh, plants that have so much medicine, but without it being, you know taken or out of out of a sense of, of greed or possessiveness, but rather from sharing. But Mason, one thing I'm curious about, because I know the, the clinic name in Sarnia is the Health Creation Lab, which is a great title as well in terms of creating health. And you also said that you um, have some experience where you met some amazing healers and you kind of opened your heart a bit more. And that sounds like your experience with relational uh, experience with nature becoming very relational with it. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, mostly in my time in or in and around the West Coast, I I was going to school and I was also just adventuring. You know, I, I grew up in Ontario and the West Coast had such just different energy to it with the mountains and the ocean and- Absolutely, the big- and the rain. And the rain. <laughs> You're talking to two other people that were out there. <laughs> now we're all east. I wonder why. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and we're still wet. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, we're drying up a bit. Lowering our humidity levels. Yeah, possibly. Right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, met some awesome people out there. You being one of them. Teachers at school, obviously, and some indigenous healers, some Qigong people that really just got me, Qigong people, I should say, Qigong um, masters and people who practice Qigong, not just people, but yeah, I really just wanted to open my mind and meet and take in all I could during school. You know, school is very academic, but I I believe it's a very rich time, especially in a program like the one that we've been through. It's a, a rich time for personal development. So Relating to plants on that academic level was really, really exciting, really special. And then also trying to understand the more subtle things about these plants, whether that's just as simple as, you know, drinking a tea and understanding how that tea is different from another one, or looking a little bit deeper into nature and into plants or mushrooms for that matter, and understanding that, yes, they're things and they have you know nutritional qualities or herbal qualities herbal medicine qualities but also they sort of all have a personality and that's what got me started i think in vancouver is sort of this 
the system known as plant medicine or plant intelligence and it's sort of relating to the Gaia theory. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all, but. Can you review it? Because um, I I actually know the sound of it, but to be honest, in this moment, I couldn't recall it. So tell me what that is, the Gaia theory. Well, I I don't even know if I will do it justice, but it's, (laughs) it's the theory that the earth is sort of alive and it's a being and you can sort of tap into that aliveness via, you know, symbolism or working with different plant medicines or just, you know, coincidences could be a slight expression of that. So Gaia theory is this theory that the earth is a living being rather than just sort of a thing. And something like you said, like, yeah, we need to protect the biodiversity. Yeah. Because maybe that's going to be important for food, for, preserving land, preserving soil, but also um, protecting biodiversity is important because in a Gaia theory is because you actually view the world as a living being, as most of the indigenous and first nations people have Mm -hmm. contrary to more of a colonial mindset where um, the earth is sort of just something you take from and it supports you. There's no real connection to it. So that's my understanding of Gaia theory, and there may be slight vari- and there is slight variances on it, but that's mine. That's a good, beautiful, pretty good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the big one too, um, you know, is the Amazon in terms of it being the lungs, you know, of of Gaia, that the fires and so on of, you know, just just cross burning some of the the massive massive acreage uh, down there is just so destructive in the long run, uh, not only locally, but for the entire planet itself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's often just yeah. seen as the lungs, you know, kind of, of Gaia. Right. Yeah, right. absolutely. It's a prime example. Yeah. yeah. And, all the and, down there. and then Mason, how did you end up deepening around the medicinal mushrooms, the mushrooms in particular, because, you know, mycology and the properties of mushrooms are fascinating. And I think that we want to hear about not just the things like immunomodulating or effects with you know, people with cancer, uh, but also around the use of the psychedelic aspect. But how did you start to kind of dive into mycology? Mm. Yeah. So my introduction was actually plants. So, and I think it was a particular or family or area of plants and specifically the adaptogens. So adaptogens are these plants that help the body basically develop resilience um, to either physical or psychological or whatever sort of stress. And I was researching a lot about these adaptogens, these herbal adaptogens. Some common examples that some people may know about are things like ginseng. Ginseng is a prime example of a, a herbal adaptogen. So I was researching a lot of herbal adaptogens and um, very similarly, mushrooms are, hold a lot of the same adaptogenic properties that some of these plants do. So that was my first sort of, you know, again, a very theoretical introduction to medicinal mushrooms. So that got me thinking, learning more about them, looking at, again, the history of them, the modern use of them, the research behind them. And then also with everything I do, I try to experience things. So it's another part of learning, I think, is, you know, interacting with these things on a personal level. And these beings, these plant medicines, whatever you want to call them. So started to, you know, just have a tea, have a mushroom powder or extract and 
started to learn that way too. And that eventually led me to also some, some more, I, I say plant medicines ceremonies, but they're more uh, fungal ceremony. Mm. And that sort of led me down to that more ceremonial path, which I think we'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. The aspect of, let's talk about, first of all, mushrooms around basic health and immunity and what that means in terms of something like modulating the immune system, especially during this pandemic. I mean, we know that there's lots of things that are out there. There's lots of things that, I mean, there's never any guarantee as we know. Um, Mm -hmm. But can you, can you talk a little bit about mushrooms? Uh, To me, they're very intelligent. That's what I think of this intelligence that's always there, but I'm fascinated by that aspect that in, even in autoimmune conditions, someone can use mushrooms. Just help support their system. Yeah. They're very supportive. I love that word. And I guess where to start with that is they do so many things. So for one, they, they're a food, right? They're a food first. So I like to talk to people about that. And if we know they're a food first, we know they're pretty safe. Um, You do have to be, you know, there's contraindications for everything. So Mm -hmm. you have to be wary of those, but you know, most of us are probably used to, you know, the white button or the brown mushroom that you can find at every supermarket. Um, sometimes you'll find the enokis or the shiitake mushrooms or the oysters. Those are some other common ones that you'll see. And then there's some more specialty ones that you might find depending on your area or location. But so your ability to pay. <laughs> that's right. Some of them are incredibly expensive. Yeah, there's one that is uh, $20,000 per kilogram, actually. Oh, wow. Really? Um, yeah. Well, that knocks cocaine off the top of the heap, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Very, very expensive and wow, very, very expensive. So first and foremost, I guess, nutritionally, they're just very nutrient dense things. They're low calorie. They have a lot of B vitamins in some of them. They are very fiber rich and they also have a lot of interesting compounds. So Mm -hmm. medicinal mushrooms, all most of them anyway, have um, sort of their structure is made similarly to our bodies and that cholesterol is our example, but in mushrooms, there's something that's called ergosterol and ergosterol is actually a hormone that can get converted into vitamin D2. So it's not vitamin D3 that you'll get from a supplement that um, is in that form, but um, mushrooms actually have a, a substantial amount of vitamin D2, specifically the oysters and shiitakes. And you can amplify that by actually exposing them to UV rays. So that's pretty interesting. So nutritionally, mm-hmm. they're just a powerhouse. And mm-hmm. if we have time, we'll talk about a couple compounds later. And maybe well, we'll but, there, and but also mushrooms need to be cooked. Is that correct? They need it's better to have some light cooking of mushrooms, not raw. I remember learning that from a conference. And I think it was uh, Paul Stamets that was presenting. But um, can you elaborate on that one? Yeah, so you're, you're right on. And you actually have to cook them because you have to break down their cell wall because there's something called, um, uh, I always pronounce this wrong, but it's, I call it chitin. And it's sort of the same molecule, actually, that's in shellfish. It's really interesting, but it's very Mm. hard to digest. And if you don't heat that and break it down, then it becomes almost, um, not impossible, but harder for your body to break down and get some of the benefits from. So, and this is even like grocery store mushrooms. Like, yeah, you see them cut raw into a salad or something. 
Yeah. And I, I actually never used to like those as a kid. And now I kind of know why because <laughs> exactly. they are better absorbed uh, when they're, when they're cooked. When and they're cooked. traditionally that's actually how they were used is in a hot water extraction. So mm. it, they, they've been using them like this forever, but yeah, cooking really good. Um, either, you know, sauteing or hot water extraction are the two most common ways to do it. So a soup or just kind of on the stove with some oil or um, steaming, whatever. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me say, Jackson, I'm not a big fan of mushrooms. So <laughs> it was kind of like, well, this is kind of pretty earthy here. A little bit bitter, a little, eh, you know, but now uh, you're making some sense here now. Yeah. They got a lot going on and there's, there's, you know, there's such diversity in the, the mycology world that there's so many different flavors, um, like truffle mushrooms. I don't know if you've experienced those, like those are really intense yeah. and yes. really very, very intense. Profile. So yeah, they're, they're very diverse. So nutritionally, they're just really, really, really good. And medicinally they're, they're known as amino modulators, as Alexia said. And what that means is basically they support the immune system in the sense that they have the ability to either stimulate. And I don't really like to use that word, but increase or support the immune system or sort of balance it. And it does that via different, and we won't get into it, but it's some interesting chemistry where it increases different cytokines, increases or supports different immune cells in the way that it does that. And okay. that's why it's known as a, an immunomodulator, which you'll probably see if you start to read into these medicinal mushrooms. Well, I think we should modulate what we're doing here right now. I'm going to go and cook up some mushrooms, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back in two minutes. <laughs> Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You 
listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Um, just a reminder that uh, we do have toll-free uh, number for anywhere in North America, if you would like to give us a call, uh, at 888-346-9141. And we're here with Dr. Mason Brissett, and we are talking basically everything you want to know about mushrooms, and it's actually, I've learned stuff already this evening, so... Over to you. Let's talk about mental health. I'm obviously that's my area as a psychotherapist, um, and I'm quite fascinated by some of the work that's being done uh, from uh, working with depression, and anxiety, as well as some of the work that's being done uh, now. It's more with chemicals, but with um, uh, end of life anxiety, um, it's quite fascinating. So um, I'll let you pick that one up. The work that's being done, the research. I mean, that's the two big areas: is mental health and cancer. Yeah, those are those are definitely two of the major areas going on with psilocybin specifically. And psilocybin is a is a compound in certain medicinal mushrooms, so um, they're more of the psychoactive species, which is different from more of the culinary or the ones used medicinally, say, in cancer for the immune system. So. That's always a nice division that I like to kind of recommend people look into. So, yeah, I think that seeing some of the studies that um, some of the universities and colleges that have been piloted so far has been, I think, really amazing with some of the results. And specifically with some of the heaviness and the transformation with com- with, that comes with some of these conditions that they're using them for, like end of life. Um, cancer, anxiety of end of life. So I think that this is a a really wonderful tool that's being, you know, explored in scientific research now. And I think historically has been explored in ethnomycology research, you could call it, but in the, in a more religious or ceremonial fashion. So I think the studies are pretty, they're not night and day, you know, there's, there's side effects that can happen. Um, One thing that really stood out for me with some of these medicinal mushroom studies, specifically the psilocybin studies, is that in some of the more moderate to high dosing research trials, they found that, I forget the number, but it's, it's it's a majority percentage that people who went through and experienced a medicinal mushroom guided experience or psilocybin guided psychotherapy or counseling session, they had rated it as one of the, or not one of the, the top, um, and the words they used were mystical or something along those lines, but mystical experience of their life. So that means that they rated this experience higher than having a kid, getting their first, you know, or their dream job, uh, getting married. So I think that it really allows people to sort of let go in whatever fashion that is for them and what's holding them back. It's going to be subjective, I think, and different for every person. And I, I, sure. I don't know what it's like to be in that stage of life or nearing death. So I can't speak from experience, but from what I've put together with my own experience, reading about it and talking to people who are experienced in the field is that it can be quite a unique and revenant experience. Yep. 
Yeah. Well, it's a real a part of the awareness opening. And I think that now in this time that more people are struggling with mental health and looking for other options that are safer, that are not necessarily stuck with a label, because mm-hmm. this is the aspect of consciousness and opening consciousness. My concern, and I'm curious, Mason, what you feel about it, is that I believe our current mental health system, generally speaking, aside from, you know, the spiritual-based psychotherapists like Gord and, you know, Linda and Maria, people that are from TAC, and I, I'm not trying to be biased, I just think it's a reality that that the system is not necessarily equipped, the practitioners, to deal with someone's awareness of consciousness, because we don't live in a society that emphasizes consciousness or awareness or spirituality, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's very interesting how these studies are being done and showing that, yes, there are measurable outcomes that are very positive. However, I'm curious how this is going to be met in the masses and and the time that it may take for people to be able to say, oh, you know, there's going to be lineups to go to someone who who knows how to work with um, psychedelics and also helping somebody or guiding them on their journey into awareness. Because, you know, like anything, it can be an escape, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it can definitely be that for a lot of people, I think, especially, you know, when it when it gets brought up and pop culture or modern culture, it often is used in that way. And it's not used in more of that intentional ceremonial set and setting way where it can have, you know, profound implications, especially when working with, you know, these people are professionals and they don't necessarily have to have a ton of degrees, but, you know, they're, they're professionals of consciousness and transforming experiences that come up for people and holding space. So I think that I totally agree with, with that part of it and the mental health crisis, I would say right now is I think just that as well as, you know, we've been thrusted into this interesting economical, uh, political, if you want, um, health crisis. And I think it's very dismantling for a lot of people. And I think that, um, I can't make any recommendations just based on my professional status, but I think that, you know, tools that, inherently amplify our knowledge about ourself and not, you know, Mason, naturopathic doctor, Gord, counselor, but like that true inner essence, I think tools that sort of get to a point where we're able to sort of dissolve some of that um, sort of false self, I guess, for better words um, and get to that sort of true nature is, is can't be nothing but good in my, in my experience. Yeah, opinion. I agree with you. That's mm-hmm. that, uh, r- risking authenticity, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. our society likes it as long as it's other people that are doing it. Um, but don't ask me to do the same thing. You know, that's certainly my experience. I think the other thing too, you know, is people's hesitation around, um, uh, any, any chemical or plant induced, you know, altered states of consciousness, is really being tied back into the fact that, you know, we had a lot, a lot of, of data from the 50s and 60s when, you know, the counterculture, the hippie culture was using a lot of this stuff. And it was being, you know, very, very closely monitored and studied. Uh, you know, Timothy O'Leary and all these guys at Harvard and some of their experiments and so on. Um, yeah. But then, of course, along came the war on drugs, 
just say no, Nancy. And that was that was the biggest mistake ever mm-hmm. that was ever made. Um, was declaring war on a on a health problem, um, and so a lot of people then go over and it's like, drugs are bad, you know. And there's just a, you know moving anybody from that over to you know, try this tea, try the, you know, whatever it relaxes or whatever. No, 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 that's bad. I'm going to be an, an addict from it. And it's, it's, so, it's such black and white thinking. Um, I think that we've, so as a, as a result, we've lost you know, probably 20 or 30 years of possible data to move this further along that we could be much further along than we are. That's, yeah, that's I, what I see. Yeah, there was a big halt there for sure. And, you know, a lot of politics and whatever got mixed up. But I think that it's definitely starting to get back on track. And it's interesting that I think the people behind it and the consciousness level might be sort of, you know, needing something like that to sort of get us back on track as a whole, depending on, you know, what we think is going on or need, needs to go on in the world. I, I heard an interesting quote, and I don't know who I'll be plagiarizing this from, but someone was saying that psychedelics are going to be for the mind what sort of the telescope was for um, stargazing and mm. that whole science of things. So I look forward mm. to seeing how these tools and how psychotherapists and doctors and you know healers, whoever gets to use them ceremonially, I, I look forward to seeing how it unfolds. That's a wonderful quote, and I and I I like what you said around you know the aspect of ceremony because it goes back to intention, mm-hmm. and looking at regardless of whether somebody has a bazillion degrees or letters behind their names doesn't necessarily mean that they are qualified to work with plant medicine, and mm-hmm. it's not to dismiss the science aspect, but it's how to merge. And I, I know that um, you're familiar with um, Dr. Bruce Lipton, who's talked a lot about this separation of science and spirituality, and now we have to bring it more together and work harmoniously. But, you know, the the aspect of learning about mushrooms and microdosing, I know it's something that people are very, very interested in because of the, uh, I, also, I, I would um, I imagine a lack of dependence on it and the dependency and maybe I know people can become dependent but I do think this is very interesting compared to something where if you're prescribed a particular uh, pharmaceutical drug and you it's dangerous to come off of it because your nervous system is totally dependent on it right like serotonin inhibitors and things like this or or uptake inhibitors so yeah what's um any any insight on that yeah, I think that the non-habit forming properties of these medicines are are very very interesting and something to keep top of mind because yeah, I I personally, you know, I I think that conventional medicine does a lot of good things, you know, they they're really good at managing pain, they're really good at surgeries. Um but a part of me just I just don't think that a lot of these people have deficiencies in neurotransmitters and that sort of this for that approach is becoming, I mean, it, in my mind, it's an outdated approach and it doesn't look at the whole picture. So I think that creating an atmosphere or creating conversations around 
mushrooms, herbs, plants, whatever. And like you said, having a good intention around them is so, so important because it, it puts sort of that empowerment back in people. And there is a lot of interesting neurochemistry that happens even with um, these microdosing schedules that people are trying. And I think there's a, um, I don't know if it's a pilot study, but UBC is sort of doing something now with um, a more observational microdose research study. And a lot of people that I've talked to find that it helps with motivation, creativity, and just feeling alive. And those three things, I think we all could, you know, strive to have more of, or at least contain them in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that waking up aspect where it's so easy to become very dull in this world, you know, Mm -hmm. dulled out by, you know, whether you binge watch Netflix or you get zoned out into the, the news or the media and forget about what it actually means to be alive and mm-hmm. be in relationship with nature as part of us, you know, or part of our own universe. And uh, I think this is excellent, you know, uh, in terms of work, but also very informative for people to see that, oh, there's possibility. There's other possibilities. And just because I feel depressed doesn't mean that's who I am. I mean, Gordon, I've talked about this a lot about, you know, attaching to the label and, yeah. and the danger of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, diagnoses are inherently dangerous sometimes. Yeah. Because we end up acting them out. (laughs) You know, oh, depressed. Whoa, whoa. You know, and our whole body could just go right into it and, you know, carry carry it on. You know, um, I think that... You know, the, the, the whole thing of, of um, you know, the microdosing and blah, blah, blah. My concern is it's only a matter of time before pharma's in here. You know, the big pharma places, big pharma companies are going to come in and they're going to try and figure out how they can get just the right amount of mushrooms and they're going to get the microdose and they're going to end up trying to get control of, of what is something that should be growing in your backyard, basically, or on your farm. You know, um, that I don't, don't trust where they go to. <laughs> yeah, that that seems like the, the inevitably that's what happens with these sort of things where any sort of profit or power can be had. So, I hope that you know, I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but inevitably um, I think that we all kind of can play our own part in sort of blocking that big beast and <laughs> How Mason, how? Tell me how. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think when these, you know, therapies do become more mainstream, I think that as a society, I think we should collectively try to, you know, get them in the hands of the the right people and for the right purposes. And I don't know what that looks like, but I think yeah. it just starts with, again, stepping into ourself. And But at the same time, you know, I also don't want to say that ever, all things that come from them are bad. I mean, there are drugs that they do have, whether it was the, you know, invention of SSRIs or ED medication, you know, um, has helped a lot of people live much more normal lives than they were previously. So, you know, it's it's kind of a, I can probably argue both sides, you know, of, of, uh, of their existence. It's just that the fact that they keep controlling, they take, you know, they take over control and that in turn controls science and controls medicine in terms of our research. Right. And well, and, and, and I think also, Gord, that, you know, look right now in this pandemic, we know that pharma is not suffering. 
No. They are not they're not suffering. Whereas the little businesses, the small herbalists, the small shops. The small uh, colleges. Yeah, small colleges, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They're and and you know, it's so at the end of the day, it's that sense of hmm, how can we still hold a vibration that's going to shift things? But I think, Mason, what you're kind of reinforcing is that this aspect of awareness and really becoming uh, accountable and in in your own sense of well-being and exploration for the of the self. Yeah, exactly, and I think as we do that more and use things to help create shifts there and connect with people that, you know, create those shifts with us and move forward in a more positive way. I think that that's how, you know, I envision the future and these things being used, but I, I I definitely see your point Gord where, you know, there's, there's good things to be had with the reach and, you know, the mass production of all that stuff. So, yeah. I, it's it's can be argued on either side, you know, because um, I just know so many people that have benefited so enormously, especially in the area of mental health, or even in the area of antibiotics, even if they are overused, you know, uh, that diseases that killed us a hundred years ago that's just not an issue anymore, you know. Uh, although that could turn around as we are more hypersensitive to antibiotics, so absolutely. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, I think you know, people going in with the pandemic and they're, you know, uh, with a COVID infection and wanting antibiotics. Well, guess what? It's not going to work. So, but what will work is us taking a commercial break here. We'll be back in two minutes with uh, Dr. Mason Brissett. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening. 
listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, we're here with uh, Dr. Mason Brissett, and uh, we're talking about an, uh, plant, uh, not animals, hello, plant <laughs> uh, medicines. Um, now, the, so we, we've been talking about mental health. Uh, the area that's also such a huge uh, research area is that of cancer uh, with mushrooms. Um, can you talk about that for a bit? Yeah, absolutely. So there's sort of two parts to this is more of the preventative and the treatment. So I'll talk a little bit about treatment because I think that's where most people are interested in. So medicinal mushrooms, where we talked about earlier, have those immunomodulating properties. So there are specific medicinal mushroom extracts specifically that have more evidence to suggest that they should be used or can be considered to be used in an adjunctive treatment plan in cancer. And how they work is basically they sort of kickstart the immune system to sort of start working again after chemo or after sort of they've been, you know, had a chronic illness like cancer is and medicinal mushrooms can really impact the immune system to sort of revitalize it. And how it does that is it increases different immune cells that help, um, help either battle or, you know, I don't like to use that word, but help uh, modulate the cancer process that the body's trying to do. And they support the body by, again, interfacing with usually the innate immunity, which is one part of your immune system. There's two big parts, the innate and the adaptive, and it works on both. So the innate is sort of that first line defense where your body says, okay, this cell isn't me. I have to take care of it. And then the adaptive immunity is a more specialized system where it sort of um, develops different antibodies and memory to different infections. Basically what vaccines work on. Yes. Yeah. So mushrooms actually work, you know, in both, but they work a lot in the innate immunity where they can help the body sort of determine what cells are self essentially and what cells are not self. And they help immune cells that help that whole process. Um, there's two medicinal mushroom extracts that have been studied a lot. And they're from Japan and China. One's called PSP, PSP, PSK. And that's different from say, just a medicinal mushroom extract in the sense that it's sort of like a more potentized or super strength, um, almost like a drug-like mushroom product where they're using one constituent from a mushroom. And these actually have quite a bit of research specifically in the lung, breast, gastric, anything in the colon or rectum, the, the data is kind of all in that area. And anything, you know, not anything, but it, it does work on things like, you know, improving quality of life, improving years of life when someone is diagnosed with a, a serious condition like cancer. And how they do it usually is through um, these different compounds known as beta-D-glucans. So that's the sort of research behind it. But um yeah, is that is that a good start for the cancer conversation? And the- so, would somebody would somebody take this uh, with uh, uh, while undergoing chemo? Uh, like you said, it was adjunctive, so meaning to add to, uh, or is yeah. it this is what you would only do and forget the chemo? Well, in cancer research, it's you know the the combo seems to do the best, 
And it's, it does come down to personal values too, though. So, you know, there are people that deny chemo as their healthcare strategy. Uh-huh. Um, most oncologists will um, recommend you take them after just so it doesn't interact with the chemo. But there are a number of studies that suggest, especially turkey tail and reishi, those are two of the most common medicinal mushrooms. They're quite safe while actually doing the chemo. So a lot of people just opt to do it after just so there's no interactions, although those interactions from what I've read are quite minimal. Um, so it just depends on the oncologist and who's who's working with them on their healthcare team. But yeah, you can use yeah. them with or after when the chemo has kind of done its job and you want to sort of do that revitalizing like I was speaking about. Right, right. So remarkable because it can allow someone that that can that helps their body tolerate the chemotherapy to actually allow them to recover um, more readily. And I think that the the research, because a lot of it, if I'm not mistaken, Mason, I don't know if you said it earlier, but I believe it's out of China. Is that correct? Yeah, there's a lot of um, research out of China, Japan, um, right. some in North America, but a lot from China. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. which is really impressive studies that show, you know, favorable outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how readily it's available. You know, my mother died of cancer and she could not tolerate uh, the chemo. It was just like, it was pancreatic. We kind of know where that goes anyways. It's stage four already. Um, and she chose, after one session, she just simply said that's not the kind of life she wants to finish with. Of, you know, just as you start to feel okay, then slam down. And then, you know, but there was no nothing adjunctive that was helping her to modulate anything here. It was just like extreme illness. And then starting to feel better. And then it's a time for another dosage again. And, you know, as much as I would like to be very selfish and say, you know, that was really wrong of you to do that, I think she made a very brave decision that said, this isn't how I want to end my life. And, and my brothers and I were respecting that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's really special. And, you know, choosing how you want to, you know, live your last little, um, not little, but your last hours here and how you want to do that is, is really important. It reminds me of... Uh, a friend I was talking to the other day and his, his grandma was going through chemo and she was diagnosed with a lymphoma. So a lymphatic system cancer in short, mm. and she was using Turkey tail an extract, a high extract tea. And what she noticed is that it just made her feel really good. Mm. And I think that's some of the grounding energetics that some of these plants have because they are, you know, they're from our, earth and they're from a living thing. So I think they, you know, they have these effects that they have on the immune system that have been studied via research, but they also have sort of this personality that I was talking about earlier. And I think that's what she was feeling. And that's kind of what she was alluding to in the sense that she just felt very supported every day when she sat down and had her turkey tail tea. (laughs) That's wonderful. And I love that aspect because yeah, it's very earthy that Gord was saying about the taste, Mm -hmm. but also we do tend to forget that this is all about energy yeah. and the energy that is in everything and especially the energy that's in mushrooms because they have that networking that also exists, which is fascinating, right? Yeah, and I think I, w- I wanted to touch on that networking capacity earlier when we were talking about the mental health part of it. But yeah, the whole mycelium underground network and how yes. these fu- myco... Um, 
anyways, how these, ba- not bacteria, but bacteria, fungus, and plants, how they all interact is through this, you know, this highway called the mycelium network. And it's, it's really, really quite fascinating. And yeah, talk about that. Even if we've moved yeah. on, it's, it's great. It's so okay. interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. There's different parts of the mushroom. So what you see at the superstore is what we call the mushroom. And then what you see underground is usually what's known as the mycelium. And that mycelium actually houses a lot of different communication signals for fungus to interact with their environment and share nutrient with plants. They have a very synergistic Mm -hmm. relationship. They trade minerals, they trade energy and all that. And yeah, that whole networking capacity of medicinal mushrooms is very, very fascinating, especially when you talk about um, mycelium in the sense that it's sort of that, they call it the nature's internet or because it actually has different serotonin molecules that it uses to modulate messages just like you know our our neurons or our brains do and that whole networking concept also reminds me of you know now i'm jumping back to cancer but mushrooms in nature if you find them they'll be usually on wood or rotting wood or wood chips logs whatever they're they that's where they grow that's where they find their their good organic matter and you know some grow on lawns and they find dirt patches to to grow on or fields or um, anything like that. But they are involved in a process that's sort of decomposing. So I think maybe that's why energetically they're very important in this end of life anxiety or cancer. It's a very Mm. intense process where there's a lot of death, dying, rebirth, creation. So just to look at nature and how they are interacting in that sort of element and then Interesting. Kind of bring that into human interaction is fascinating to me. Absolutely. That is it's, fascinating. It's the yeah. dissolution of self, right? The dissolution of the physical, which is mm-hmm. uh, really quite powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I've looked at mushrooms forever, but I've never, you know, I've just never put those two together as to where they do occur and, and where you're finding them as, you know, on wood and decaying and so on. Mm. taking part in all that that's quite fascinating that's quite fascinating huh. yeah, and do you find that you know when when people are buying mushrooms like let's say if somebody decides to to just go to a health food store and and say oh i'm going to get a a mushroom complex or something mm-hmm. then my understanding is that often these need to be rotated that it's not about staying on one particular mushroom all the time like just reishi or just shiitake and can you elaborate a little bit Yeah. Good question. So I think that, you know, just looking again at diversity in nature, I think diversity in our life is good. So I think, yeah, not getting sort of stuck on one thing, not stuck, but not using one thing, because I think that there's, there's elements of really beneficial things that can happen when you mix things. And in the herbal medicine world, this is known as synergy and same in the medicinal mushroom world is that when you mix mushrooms or you mix mushrooms, even with plants, you get synergy. So that means that um, they're having an effect that's greater than sort of the sum of them. And I think great choice, even from just a, even like a microbiome perspective is you're getting different fiber types, you're getting different, different, chemicals with each of the mushrooms too, the different medicinal mushroom compounds. They all are mushrooms, but they all have such a variance in what they offer. And to get all of those, I would say is more beneficial than just sticking with one. Um, With that being said, I think it's also nice to work with one mushroom as well to 
see its effects and be on it for, you know, a couple months to understand it more. And one specifically reishi was used traditionally as a physical support for longevity, but it was also used for spiritual use in some of the Chinese cultures. And it was used as a long-term thing, drinking as a tea to, you know, help the body develop. Um, I guess now people would be interested in anti-aging would be the term, but back then it was more known as, you know, longevity and vitality, longevity. maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vitality. Yeah. And also spirituality was heavily um, woven into it because if you've ever um, seen pictures or talked to anybody who's visited China, a lot of the um, art and textiles and a lot of the, um, traditional buildings you you'll often find reishi in some of the concrete work and some of the mm. architecture because it was such an integral piece to you know not only health but culture um, religion or um, spirituality whatever you would like to call it that's mm. in- so interesting and and again it goes back to this aspect of how do we continue to open our consciousness and become more aware human beings and i think hopefully this will help the planet right (laughs) hopefully um (laughs) i think we got the longevity part down um you know as our reigning queen comes up to 100 shortly uh you know whereas yeah the uh all the other aspects that support that longevity um you know the fact is we still get old you know and i don't know if we need to get quite that old um, Mason, thank you. This was really fascinating. Um, love to learn things. Uh, if you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, the grocery stores might still be open. I'd go running out and buy something, um, like mushrooms. But uh, we can't do that. It's too late now. Thanks, um, Lisa. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. it's, it's quite fascinating. Keep that work up uh, with the research. Next week. We have um, spirituality in business with uh, Maya uh, Ju- Juvikar. Did I pronounce that correctly? Do you know? Juvakar, I believe you did. Okay. Uh, he's a managing partner at uh, Scale Up 42. And uh, he has a whole group of people that are working together in terms of introducing spirituality into the business uh, environment. Uh, I also want to remind you that um, the Compassion Energy Circle, which now runs once every two weeks, uh, every other week, um, at Transformational Arts, you can join us. It's free. It's open to anybody and everybody uh, on Zoom. Friday night, 7 o'clock, 880-379-386 is the Zoom number, and the password is 314-703. You can go to uh, the transformationalarts.ca website or info at transformationalarts.ca or info at spiritgrows.ca, and someone will get in touch with you and let you know where to go with that but it's a meditation and just a de-stressing little time of the evening it lasts about 45 minutes the most to an hour so you are welcome to, to join us that's it great show thank you thank, thank you for coming yeah good night I love everyone that was great that was great yeah. stuff For tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiusis and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 